my dudes, and welcome back to Tangent Telephone. Yes, this is an audio-only episode. I'm sorry about that. Here's the thing. Okay, first of all, I'm recording this on a different day than I normally do, right? Normally, I will record Monday and upload Tuesday. Sometimes I'll record Tuesday, upload Tuesday. But last week was the first week that I've missed in, what, 24, 25 episodes? Um... And so I'm trying, first of all, I'm trying not to be hard on myself about it. However, I've been quite emotional and hormonal lately for just reasons that we don't need to get into. And so honestly, I'm worried that if I don't record today, there is a high probability (laughs) I will be unable to record when I normally do. So doing this a bit earlier, not that it really fucking matters because what even is time? Am I right, ladies? By the way, be sure to rate the podcast five stars, do all the things, or don't. I don't care. Sometimes it's hard for me to stay consistent with YouTube or, for example, well, now that I have a podcast also, um, when I'm going through things, sometimes. Because at times, it actually has helped me to document my struggles, and I guess it kind of depends on what exactly it is that I'm going through, but for the last year... That just hasn't been my body's response. It's the opposite. It just feels impossible to pick up the camera or the microphone when I'm going through it. I've been going through it a little bit. And it's a little bit fucked up, I will say, that literally this day last year, honestly just November of last year, was kind of like the beginning of the worst few months of my life. And I got a fucking memory on my phone that showed a photo from a year ago today. And I was like, oh, sick. Why is my life on some sort of weird cycle? I don't know what's going on, but I don't like it. It, It's not a cycle as in like what happened last year isn't happening again. But similar things are happening. And like because it was such a traumatic experience, my body is just sort of responding in the way that it did before, if that makes any sense. I'm trying to be proactive by, you know, communicating how I feel to the person that I'm with, the person that I'm in a relationship with, and just really fucking trying to trust that, sorry, I'm in my car and loud cars keep pulling up next to me. This person just opened their door to get out and instead they're just staring at me. I'm a little confused. I'm a little scared. Please get out of your car, sir. Thank you. So, Although my body is sort of reacting in a very similar way and like the feelings that I'm having, this shit that's coming up is kind of, it wouldn't be like this if it weren't for what happened last year. So I'm just trying to communicate how I feel and really fucking trust that, you know, the person I'm with will be there to support me (laughs) and reaffirm that I'm not being abandoned and you know, he loves me and wants to be with me and all that shit. And so that's, that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, luckily I'm not with a piece of shit like I was last year. So we're getting through it. Okay. We're getting through it. Okay. Heaviness done for now. It's about to be Thanksgiving in like almost a week and I'm going to be going home for Thanksgiving. When I say home, I mean where I grew up. It's in Northern California. It's a long drive. It could be anywhere between like six hours to, well, one, one time it took 36 hours, but that's because I got stuck in a snowstorm 
my Honda Accord with Bug and one of my exes and his dog, and it was literally the worst time ever. <laughs> so you never know. I don't think it's snowing, though, so we're good. Um, and then Thanksgiving Thursday, and then I'm going to drive back on Friday, which is going to be a lot, especially with Bug, but I have an event here on Saturday that we are going to, so gotta come back for that. Anywho, I actually have three episodes that are like fully outlined, which is so unlike me, but I just, I was inspired in moments and I was like, well, I can't record a podcast right now, so I'm just gonna like, gonna like outline them, you know, and I'm excited to do them. So I actually just, I want to do those when I'm in the right headspace, which obviously, like I just said, it's been challenging lately. God, like fighting with your brain is seriously the most difficult thing and it gets exponentially harder as time goes on and you know situations repeat themselves and you like then you're having to brace yourself to go through hell in order to heal because you've done it before but that doesn't mean it's easier it actually feels a lot fucking harder okay stop today <laughs> i don't know where where this idea came from i don't know i've been doing a lot of thinking reflecting recently i want to go on to my old well yeah my old website Technically, it's the current website that I still have, but it's been totally redone. There's a section that's all privated, and all of my old blog posts are there. I started this blog in 2014, I believe, so literally almost a decade ago, which is insane. But I want to go on. I haven't read them since I posted them, and so I'm pretty sure from 2014 to 2016, I was really, really consistent with this blog. I think I kept it going a little bit into 2017, but I want to go back and I'm a little bit, I have a memory of like sometime in 2016, I might've been in the hospital just like really frustrated. And I remember going and just like deleting a ton of them instead of just putting them on private, which is really sad. I wish I had privated them. Maybe I couldn't do that at the time. I don't fucking know, but hopefully we still have some good posts up there because i want to see where my head was at when i was what 19 oh my gosh in 2014 oh my gosh i was 19 okay so wow 19 20 i just want to see where my head was at wow i had this strong urge to spiral and just talk about this time of my life <laughs> and how like starting this blog really changed the trajectory of my life and also ended up being a huge blessing in 2017 when you know life threw me a, a curveball a very fucked up dramatic curveball and I was able to you know I had a sizable audience from this blog that I could build on and then be able to use that to get by and to make money and support myself so what started as something that was just like to be a cathartic thing for me and I love writing ended up sort of in a weird way potentially being the reason why I'm talking into a microphone right now so well let's be real I probably would have been doing that anyway in some capacity I'm gonna go in there I'm gonna read a couple posts see how long they are I don't really know it's weird I, I have no clue what I was writing and then I will finally read you guys's questions advice submissions from a couple of weeks ago when I posted that on the podcast Instagram. Let's just see where 19-year-old me was at. Wow, I'm looking at these titles. God damn, some of this shit is heavy. Wow, you know what's so weird is I used to write for a few different online publications and I just went to this blog post that I wrote and I said, check out my newest article on Slant, which I remember it was a news platform and I just clicked on it and it's now like a, it's like a gambling. <laughs> 
<laughs> site, and it's not called Slant News anymore, so that's weird. I guess we'll never find that article. This one is titled, On Perfectionism. I'm looking at it right now, and it has the most comments, so therefore I... <laughs> Maybe this is a good one to read. This was August 24th, 2015. So I actually was 20. Oh, shit. Oh my god. Okay, you guys. <laughs> Sorry. Side note. I had like a whole ass book. It was almost done. When I was in the hospital, I made like so much progress on it. Like, And this is in 2016, okay? And I remember I was using this program that helped you like organize a book that you were writing. And I have no goddamn fucking clue what program I was using. And I think I just, I, I really think I lost that entire book. And I know this was like years ago now, but that was like my baby. And I don't know where it is, but the reason I'm saying that is because this blog post actually, well, it's titled On Perfectionism. And I said, the following is an excerpt from my work in progress book, Moldy Lemons, Finding Happiness Despite Pain. I totally forgot about that. And I totally forgot, like I knew I wrote the book, but I totally forgot that that was the title moldy lemons. I said each chapter of the book focuses on one element that can contribute to pain in one's life, be it chronic illness, mental illness, stress, and more. Each chapter talks a bit about the topic, my experience with it, and then explains to readers how we can turn moldy lemons into lemonade, or in other words, make the best of our lives despite how much they can suck. This is the chapter titled On Perfectionism. Here we go, bitches. Why? Well, I feel like I'm narrating my audiobook. <laughs> Too bad that'll never happen with this because I lost it. When I was just six years old, I remember stressing out immensely when the digital clock on my father's car read 7.55 and we were just barely pulling out of the driveway. You see, the first bell, signaling that we were to walk to our classroom, rang at 7.50. The second bell, signaling that we had better get our butts in our seats, rang at 7.55. The last bell rang at 8 o'clock and if you weren't in your seat by then, you were marked tardy. Tardy, a word that piqued my anxiety. A word that teachers used to refer to the bad kids. The kids who thought it was okay to wear pajama pants and have toothpaste stains on their chins. The kids that never properly, or in a timely manner, covered their books to prevent water damage. The kids that certainly didn't decorate those properly covered books with felt pens to reflect their shining personalities like I did. Tardy was a word that I would never let anyone use in the same sentence as Annie Mishler, a tiny but mighty little first grader. I must have... Was I still going by Annie at this point? No, I wasn't, but I was when I was little. Okay, sorry. Continuing. The clock read 7.55. My father was running slightly behind schedule to get together the lunches for my sisters and I, and my little six-year-old heart was racing. I didn't know it at the time, but that feeling of sheer panic, powerlessness, and despair would later get me a nice, shiny diagnosis of generalized anxiety disorder. 7.57. Okay, we only live three minutes from my elementary school. If dad drops me off at the closest gate to the playground, I can run really fast and try to make it in the door of room 8 by 7.59. Then, I won't be tardy. No, no, no. I'll never make it. I'm gonna burst through the door at 8.01 and it'll be too late. My perfect record of being on time every day will be ruined. I'll be so embarrassed and then my face will turn red and then everyone will know that I'm embarrassed. It's interesting actually reading this now. I'm glad that I never like published this back then because there's so much that I've learned about my childhood and growing up and... The fact that I don't think I actually had generalized anxiety disorder, I think it was undiagnosed ADHD, it's just interesting to read this, but sorry for the commentary from the peanut gallery. Tales of a self-proclaimed perfectionist. My parents never forced me to be perfect. I was never told that I had to get straight A's or perfect attendance or be valedictorian. Those were just things that I did because I knew I had to. 
because if I didn't, I wouldn't be able to live with myself, because if I didn't, my world would obviously end. My parents actually encouraged me to care less about all of those things. They encouraged me just to focus on doing my best. Um, hello? I am doing my best. My best just happens to be perfection, and if I fall short of perfection, then I am not doing my best. Why can't you understand that? Why am I the only one that gets that? It wasn't just school. I went to my first ballet class when I was three years old, and from that point forward, I had to be the best dancer. Ballet. Tap. Jazz. Lyrical. Hip-hop. I had to be the best. I tried out for my soon-to-be high school's dance team as an 8th grader so that I could be the only freshman on the team the following year. I made it. All throughout my career of dancing, I had to make sure I was the best. Front and center. Always on count. Never missing a beat, forgetting a move, or falling out of a turn. Until my resignation from formal dance lessons at age 18, you better believe I made sure I was the best. Thankfully, for the sake of my psyche, I was naturally gifted as a dancer. I can't imagine how things would have ended up if I had two left feet. I started piano lessons when I was six. Much like dance, I had to be the best. I was given a few pieces to practice each week at my lesson, and the next week I would play the pieces for my teacher. The other students would repeat this process a number of times until they finally had the songs down. Me? I made sure I had them perfect by the next lesson so that I could get more songs. Then, I made sure those were perfect, because if I messed up while playing a song for my teacher, the world would obviously end. Much like dancing, playing the piano came naturally to me. Again, I cannot imagine the inner turmoil I would have faced if I was tone deaf or if my brain didn't double as in metronome. Soccer, volleyball, running, the spelling bee. These are all things I had to be the best at or it wasn't even worth trying. Any extracurricular that I knew I would not be the best at, I simply didn't try or I quit. Well, I think I only quit one thing, girls wrestling. To be fair, there was no one else in my weight class, so I never really got a chance to be the best wrestler. Let's be real, I don't think I would have been the best wrestler. The point I'm trying to illustrate is that all of my life, I legitimately thought that I had to be the best. It was not even that I wanted to be the best, I had to be. There was no part of my brain that told me that simply trying was enough. It was all or nothing. Next subheading, perfectionism is evil. The word perfectionist is sometimes used and viewed in a positive light. Folks will describe themselves as a perfectionist, say, in a job interview, in order to convince the interviewer that they will get the job done and be the best choice for said job. Let me tell you why that's not a good thing. Perfectionism is evil. Anyone who attaches the word perfectionist to themselves and doesn't also struggle with extreme stress, guilt, and rigidity is simply using the word incorrectly. That person is probably very hardworking and driven, anal even, but not a perfectionist. Perfectionism only leads to anxiety. It will not motivate you. It will not reward you. It does not make you perfect or better than anyone else. It will never satisfy you. It will leave you constantly grasping for air, but you'll never be able to take a full, deep breath. The opposite of perfectionism is striving for excellence, or healthy striving. Perfectionism is just a defense mechanism. It's that annoying-ass voice in our ear that says, hey, if you look perfect, if you act perfect, if you accomplish perfect, you can avoid or minimize shame and judgment. Ironically, perfectionism prevents perfection. Perfectionism is a shield. Aristotle said, if you don't want to be criticized, do nothing, say nothing, be nothing. There cannot be perfectionism without anxiety. Oddly enough, even when we are, in our minds, being the best, we are still overcome with anxiety. Because there's always something that we're not doing well enough. The next thing is already in our minds, and we're formulating 6,000 different reasons as to why we are likely to fail. I cannot speak to social anxiety because despite my anxiety-ridden brain, I am a social butterfly. 
Somehow, all throughout my childhood and adolescence, I still had fantastic relationships and friendships, despite my drive to be the best. Maybe I also had to be the best friend? The best girlfriend? The most bubbly? The most outgoing? Who knows? Okay, I would have omitted that paragraph if I were <laughs> if I were to move forward with publishing this book. I would take away that paragraph. Not that it's not valuable, but it kind of just had no place there. Anyway, next subheading is let's make some lemonade. In striving for happiness and peace in our lives, we must let go of the notion that everything can be perfect. We must realize that we simply cannot always be the best, and that is perfectly okay. Sometimes we may not even try to do our best guess what? That's okay too. I know it is easier said than done to tell a perfectionist to just loosen up, but I'm gonna tell you anyway. Just loosen up. How do you expect to make sweet lemonade if you're not even allowing yourself to taste it? Are you just trusting everyone else that says it tastes sweet and delicious? There is life out there to be lived and a breadth of emotions out there to be felt that cannot be felt if we are so wrapped up in being the best at everything. Please, don't use perfectionist as a trait on your resume. If anything, Use it as a descriptor of your weakness when you're inevitably asked that question in a job interview. That question is the worst for a true perfectionist. What's my weakness? Um, I have none. Move along. Oh, and if you're wondering, I made it on time to class that day. And every other day for the rest of my life. And that is the end of that chapter. And that's true. I never, not only was I always on time, but I didn't have a single missed day of school from kindergarten to like junior year and then senior year I only miss school because of like sports and shit like that so yeah shit is crazy um hmm okay maybe it was a blessing that I um lost that book because I do know I was trying to write it in a mm, I mean it's definitely like a colloquial tone but seems a bit rudimentary I don't know I mean maybe that's just because I was younger but like I know I was a much better writer than this so I don't really know maybe I was trying to make it digestible who knows Okay, that was quite long, so maybe we'll just read another one. This is interesting. I'm not going to read this whole one. It's kind of long, but it's called Living Your Truth, and this one is actually is my second to last blog post, and it was in 2017. This first part is interesting because I was, I feel like I was talking to someone about this recently. Um, I started with this quote. There comes a point where you have to realize that you have to stop doing things to make your parents happy. My older sister said those words to me a few weeks ago as I sat in her chair at the salon, head covered in foil. I carried that seemingly simple sentence around with me for weeks after we had a conversation that really changed the way that I now think about things. We were discussing the immense progress I've made over the past year, through illness, several hospital stays, finishing school, and more. As I shared what I had gone through the past few months with my sister, she stopped me. I had just finished saying, I want to do blank, but mom and dad would shoot me. That's when she uttered the words that I opened this post with. That's what kickstarted my major epiphany that I've been tirelessly sifting through these past few weeks. For 22 years, I've made nearly every decision with not just my parents, but everyone else in the forefront of my mind. If I do this, then they'll be upset. If I do this, then they'll make fun of me. If I don't do this, they'll stop supporting me. The list goes on. And so many times when I did do the thing that elicited fear in me out of what my parents or what others would think, the reaction would only confirm my hesitation in the first place. I realized that there were very few decisions made driven by pure passion, truth, and interest on my part. I don't have to hold the same beliefs as my parents, friends, acquaintances, or anyone else for that matter. I don't have to do what's considered typical. I don't have to adhere to a timeline set by myself or anyone else because I've been brainwashed into conforming to some strange societal norm. Um, blah blah blah, go into some realizations. We all have to realize things for ourselves, but I do want to say that it's so extremely important to find out what we believe, pursue it, and live it. Live our truth. 
And then I talked about how I went to LA to visit my sister, and this was this was actually I'm looking at the date of this, and my heart kind of like dropped to my asshole because this the date that I published this was like two days before I had something really uh, bad happen to me. So this is interesting. But I was talking about how I went to go visit my sister in LA. We were talking about me moving to LA. Yeah, so that's interesting. Okay, why it's so important to own your story. Okay, this is just me now looking at my old blog posts like, hmm, what's going on? It's very easy to hide and protect our stories like sheltered children. It's easy not to share with others the things that we tirelessly struggle with just because it's hard and we don't really like being vulnerable. Being vulnerable means we can get hurt and that's not fun. When you try to pretend that your story is not your own, you're selling yourself short of the power to write an amazing ending. When you lose power as writer of your story, you're giving up ownership. Thus, someone else will continue your story for you. It's going to get published in one way or another. Wouldn't you like to have a say in the plot, the climax, and the resolution? In parentheses, I put, maybe a Prince Charming as well? Eh? Eh? Talking about grad school? Okay, well, I'm going to go and find, like, one of my earliest ones from 2014. Why the fuck am I writing about dialectical analyses in 2014? What's going on? I have a post in 2014 titled, Two Chains Was Right. Okay, this one is titled, Waiting. And this was my second blog post on this blog. It is not uncommon for people to spend their whole life waiting to start living. Recently, I've been trying to remind myself that I only have one life to live, and it shouldn't be spent worrying and hesitating. It shouldn't be spent overthinking every decision and waiting for the time to be right. Some decisions do require a little bit of time and pondering. However, those decisions are large and few. Sometimes you need to lose control to find yourself. You need to be vulnerable, apparently my favorite word, to feel. Sometimes you need to take a risk despite your innermost fears in order to conquer and destroy them. Why do we wait? What the hell are we waiting for? We wait for the right moment and the perfect moment, and our dreams become long-lost dreams that we strangely don't care so much about anymore. Stop waiting to be more prepared. Stop waiting to be more secure. Stop waiting to get permission that you don't need. Stop waiting for things to get easier. Stop waiting to be less busy. Stop waiting for the right age or the right look or the right person or the right anything. Your life is not a giant to-do list. You don't need to go through the motions simply to go through the motions. Life isn't just something to get through. It's meant to be lived, engaged with, experienced. Tell that person you love them if you do. Be happy with what you have now. You want to marry someone? Ask them. Stop waiting to be more secure or ready or prepared. You'll figure it out as it happens with the person you love. You think you'll only be happy if you lose weight or make more money or look different or worse, be more like someone else. You're wrong. You can be happy now. Congratulations, I have just granted you permission to live your life wholeheartedly and passionately. God, I really was out here doing self-help shit before... (laughs) I said stop waiting. Waiting is for tables. You're not a table. I mean, I assume you aren't. Pretty bold of me as a 19-year-old telling people to... Eh, whatever. Okay, I think that's about all. Shall I go to the questions and advice from Instagram? Ooh, I have so many screenshotted. Okay, let's see. Do you have any book recommendations? Um, firstly, anything by Brene Brown. Highly recommend Atlas of the Heart. Well, okay, I'm, I guess I'm going to be recommending books that are like self-improvement, um, spiritual healing, that kind of thing, but... That's just because that's kind of my vibe. Also, side note about Brene Brown, I had a therapist in 2016 who was her best friend, and that therapist ended up um, recommending me to the medical doctor that was able to diagnose me and ultimately like allowed me to start my healing journey. So 
Shout out Brene. Um, okay, another book. Existential Kink. That's a good one. Anything by Joe Dispenza. Um, the Untethered Soul. That will get you through just about anything in life. Um, Becoming Supernatural. The Body Keeps the Score. There's just, there's so many. Like, I, I need to know what genre. I think that'll help me narrow it down because I love books. So, this is hard for me. Um, do you want kids? Yes, I do. Been following you since Be Vulnerable, Have Joy. Oh, hey, how fitting for this episode. That was my blog title. Um, following you and have loved watching every part of your life that you've shared with us. You must have, you must have been prompted by something to start vlogging because the amount of things you've endured at a young age is, <laughs> is terrifying and remarkable. That's an interesting way to put it. My question is, I'm in the healthy relationship after an abusive one and I'm having a hard time with it. Do you have tips for this? It seems silly, but I actually have, I actually have been with two abusive partners and so this seems so foreign and boring slash odd. Okay. I get what you mean uh, fully. I mean, isn't there a quote that's like the hardest relationship is the healthy one that you have after an abusive one or something like that? Fucking Google it. Um, yeah, it's hard. I'm, I am, I have been navigating that. I've actually, I feel as though I've gotten a lot better. Firstly, thing to remember is... God, there's so much I could talk about with this. It's almost like oh, I want to gather my thoughts. But just to quickly give a, a couple of um, tips, advice. The person that you're with now and you're saying that it's healthy, th- that person can help you heal just by like being them. So let them, let them show you what a healthy relationship is just by existing. Hopefully they're patient and hopefully they're understanding and hopefully they... You know, let's say you have, say you have like severe trust issues. Like, look, we all have trust issues, but say yours are like very, very severe and irrational. Hopefully he is reassuring and understanding because you'll get to a point where he doesn't have to be that way all of the time. I'm a firm believer in, you can do a lot of work on yourself healing after abusive relationships, but I genuinely believe that it does take the right relationship to kind of fully finish that not to say that there's ever a finish but like you have to experience what a healthy one is like and be treated with care and love and respect and all of the things in order to sort of like put a pin in the work that you did while you were single try to resist the urge to you know if you're saying it feels boring or odd try to figure out if it actually is boring or if it's just stable and peaceful you're so used to living in chaos and the constant highs and lows and the dopamine oxytocin fast drops in those chemicals and it's like i mean my whole life i've i've lived in chaos my whole life and so it's taken me so much fucking work to get to a point where like i crave peace and i still have moments where i am feeling chaotic and i am like things things seem a little too normal i don't know about that i'm a little i'm a little bit unsure there's so much i could say about this one this is what it is you guys i get overwhelmed with like the amount the amount of things that i want to say and i i feel like i can't answer a question this is literally going back to my blog post from when i was 19 i'm like well if i can't say everything that i want to and that like all the information that i have that i know will be helpful then like i can't answer the question it's it's like i why am i give why am i giving advice i should be giving advice you know what i mean Anyway, I'm going to call my boyfriend and get some reassurance that I'm not being abandoned. (laughs) 
Thank you guys for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you have an amazing Thanksgiving if you are American and you celebrate that. And if you're not American, just eat some fucking food, you know?